You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beats, we have Steve Smith. Steve is a local entrepreneur. He's had a successful exit, um, probably several more. Uh, the guy is a genius, and he knows a lot about a lot. We talked RVs also, bourbon, golf, watches, uh, along with a lot of business talk, a lot of startup talk. Uh, he is a leading voice on that, and I'm excited for you to hear it. And this episode is brought to you by Martin Supermarkets. Of course, the Side Door Deli. Go there, get your coffee, get your snacks. Uh, have a great experience. Enjoy this episode with Steve. Steve, what's up? How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Um, so we were going to do this last week in, in the studio. It was quite loud. It was, yes. We're hoping to avoid that today. Ideally. Um this, I got a lot of notes to get into. Oh boy, on, on yours. It's uh, <laughs> let's start with, um, let's start with background. You're gonna have some shared background with a guest on the show before, John Nunemaker. Yep. Um, we all know and love John. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys kind of uh, a local success story. Uh, it's, yeah, will. sure. Yeah. Um, let's start with um, let, let's start with like the programming side. Okay. And that's what um. I guess, uh, puts you where you are today as far as like success. Yeah. It's the, you know, it pays the bills right now. Um, yeah, I started doing software stuff. I mean, in high school, um, really just for fun. Like I just wanted stuff to be out there. Uh, I like had a bunch of interests in high school and started probably the very first things that I would do is make websites and like publish them on GeoCities, uh, like Heartland Plains about yeah. like the, uh, the fish that I was like keeping. Uh, cause I wanted the website out there for them. Story? Is it what? Is that a true story? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I wish I could find it because it would be fascinating to see what it is now, but it was like, you know, fireworks and Dreamweaver. Um, had no idea what I was doing, but you know, got something on the internet and, uh, you know, started there and, and, uh, really programming wise, uh, first started with like TI calculators, like your TI-85 back in the day, like uh, TI basic uh, and writing programs for that. So I could uh, not really cheat, but like, <laughs> <laughs> optimize. Uh, yeah, I was like, I wrote the program. So like, yeah, I, I technically failed one test in like my junior or senior year of high school math, like pre-calc because uh, I wrote a program that solved all the stuff for me, but it, I didn't show any work. And so my teacher was like, I think you cheated. Um, and so failed on that test. So then I, for the next one, I just rewrote the program to output the work. <laughs> so I, I was like, just put in all the variables and it's like, write this down, then write this down, then write this down and you're good. Um, but yeah, so that like started with just like solving my 
day-to-day problems that I had with, you know, I wanted websites to exist. I wanted these things on my calculator to make my life easier. Mm-hmm. Um, never really ever thought of doing it as a job. Like I was into like architecture or engineering or something. Um, At that time, it was still kind of an outlier. To yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, there wasn't really, I mean, there were software jobs, but it wasn't anywhere like it uh, was later. Um, and so... You know, fast forward to, I think it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year of college. Maybe, yeah, it was one of those years. Um, I was looking for a um, just way to, to waste my time in the summer. And at the end of the year, walked by that thing of like, you know, the, the like the bulletin board at the cafeteria at college was just like all these uh, papers with like, I'm selling my, you know, lit. 204 book um and like here's my phone number you'll tear off the thing at the bottom and i was like it's just the worst one you can't find anything and then like no one takes them down so like you take the number and then you call it yeah and they're like i sold that two weeks ago and you're like cool thanks um that's real helpful um and so i was like you know what i'm just gonna see if I can figure this out. I had not done a, like a web app before. So I wrote, I had written some PHP. I'd done some things. And so like dove into like making a database and like you could put your book up for sale and you could like search for them and then you could like buy them. It didn't do any transactions. It basically just like when you went to buy a book, it was just like email mm-hmm. the other person, both of you and be like, here's their like campus number, call and figure it out. Um, and then like, the whoever sold the book could just like market is sold and it would go away. Um, you know, it. Uh, I sold a couple advertising spots for a couple of local businesses on it over the summer, um, enough to buy like a new three wood. I think um, it's kind of like a hybrid between eBay and Craigslist. Yeah, like, huh? sort of. Yeah, but like super targeted. Like the listings of Craigslist, but the transaction side of eBay. Yes, just do it, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's like. Um, you know, and I, so I made that website, I expanded it a couple things, uh, during my junior year. Um, but like still was like going to school for at the time, like acoustic engineering. Like that's what I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to go to grad school and go into that sort of stuff and, um, got into the first like month of my senior year of college and was like, I'm done with school. I don't want to be in school anymore. It just some trigger flipped in my head and I was like I can't I gotta I'm just I want to do stuff now like I don't want to learn anymore I'm I gotta make stuff so at the time I was my degree was in my major was computational physics um and sounds like a breeze yeah (laughs) it was super interesting but like the only thing you can do with an undergraduate degree in computational physics is go to grad school Mm -hmm. that's all you can do um I guess you could probably work as a, you know, lab tech somewhere, but like, eh, I didn't want to do that. So I basically was like, and I was already done with all my major classes. So I was like, I'm not changing my major. Um, so I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I was like, I made that website. And like, that was fun. Maybe I should just do that. Um, so I spent the rest of my senior year, like barely passing my classes and learning as much about making web tech as I could. Um, and got a job right out of college at a little multimedia company in Goshen, and the rest is history from there. So, what do you think it is about 
entrepreneurs that seems like this story happens over and over or go to school and eventually at some point in school years, like, yeah, I'm just kind of done. I'm going to do other things. Yeah. I think it's, you know, there's a certain type of person that just sees they're, they're always curious about how stuff works. Um, and that's always been my brain, which is like, you know, I'm the kid that wanted to take apart the toaster that was, you know, not working Mom when I was, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think there's just a point where you're like, I, there's too many ideas. There's too many things that I want to see happen. And there's no point where a boss of mine is going to tell me to solve that thing. Like if I want it, if I want to see that thing done, I'm going to have to do it myself and make it happen. So, uh, yeah, I think there's just a, a switch somewhere in somebody's head. That's just like, no, we gotta, we gotta figure that out. So. And it sounds like early on those projects you were doing that at the time were just fun for you, but you were solving problems. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's, uh, you know, I, you know, looking back, you know, I can say that I, I valued the education that I got, um, only because like, I mean, a physics degree is only solving problems. Like that's all it is. It's like, here's this problem. What do you, you know, you have these tools. So, you know, you have these equations and this math that you know how to use. Here's this problem, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and it's just applying tool sets to a problem. Um, and so, you know, linear type of problem solving is a, is a huge part of software. Um, and, you know, it's a good brain practice for that. So. So as much as you want to get into it, the majority of the listeners to this show are young professionals and they would look at someone like you and see a successful exit. Like you did what you wanted to do. You did what I think the dream is for most people that would listen to the show and you can get as much details if, sure. as you want, but can you take us through that process? Like building yeah. what went into it and even yep. what I think is very interesting is the acquisition side too. Yeah. So, you know, worked at a couple agencies, um, First out of college, a little multimedia company, then moved to an advertising agency, uh, and then ended up working at Notre Dame for a couple of years in their marketing department. Um, and really just, um, I had been doing side work throughout all that time um, and got to a point where I was like, you know, my son was just born. I was uh, really busy at the day job. And I was like, all right, I got to focus on this because I'm, like, so I put on my website that I was like, I'm not taking any freelance work right now. Like, I'm just not. Um, and still, once a week, twice a week, I get an email that was like, hey, I know you say you're not doing freelance work right now, but like, I got this thing that maybe if, could be interesting for you or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, like, if I'm getting this many requests when I'm saying I don't want work, mm-hmm. what am I going to, what could I get if I said I do want work? Um, and, you know, I think I was... Man, it was 2006, uh, so I was like 26, 27 at the time. And I was like, you know what? If I don't try this, I'm going to be mad at myself forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went into like starting my own agent. I just say starting an agency. I just went freelance. Like I just took whatever work I could find, um, but doing it on my own instead of for somebody else. Um, and I went into it knowing that like, I very well may have to get, you know, a job stocking shelves at Lowe's uh, and third shift to, you know, if I need to pay bills, I'll do it. I'll do whatever I need to. But, like, I got to try this. Um, and fortunately, managed to get enough work uh, that never had to do that and just kept getting busier. And then 
A year and a half later, John Nunemaker, who I had worked with at Notre Dame, um, I finally convinced him to join me. Um, and we worked together for another three and a half years. Uh, grew to a staff of five. Um, and then we had started making products and had known a bunch of folks from like the Ruby on Rails community and web front, uh, front end community. Um, and some of those people uh, were the founders of GitHub. And so through some conversations, uh, ended up being essentially acquired by uh, GitHub for the five of us and went and worked for them for five years. So um, that was that was a really fun time, really stressful time. It was really cool to see a company grow that quickly um, and all the growing pains that they w- went through um, is really fascinating to look back on and learned a lot about how I would want to run a company and how I wouldn't. Right. Um, but, you know, super valuable time. Um, and I left GitHub after about five years, just under five years, I think. Um, and went to what is now my big full-time gig, which is Box Out. Um, and then a number of however many years later, GitHub gets bought by Microsoft. So, um, you know, your monopoly money. Uh, of stock turns into something turns into real, real money. yeah, <laughs> which is cool to see. Um, yeah, that that qualifies cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know it, it's 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 good because for you know anytime you work for a startup um, or a company and get options, uh, especially private stock options, you know it's just like you know it's toy money. You just like it, it ethereally exists, but you know you have no idea. I'm glad I'm glad he brought that up because right yeah. now one of the large discussions are with startups and things could look drastically different in a year for a lot of startups right mm-hmm. now. Um, the salaries are very high right now. Yep. Salary versus options. Yes. And which one would you go if you were back at 26 year old Steve? Which one would you lean toward? Uh, both. Um, <laughs> um, no, I. So options is just. Um, I say this a lot. There's no, there's no like stock incentive program that is ever designed to benefit the employee. Um, stock incentive programs are always designed to benefit the company. Um, that's because the company makes them. Um, and that's the root of it. And, and that could be, you know, and it's not that they're nefarious. It's just like, you know, there's a whole bunch of rules and regulations around them. There's a whole bunch of loopholes that you can get yourself into. Um, and, you know, primarily it's for talent, uh, retention. They're designed to like get people and keep people. Um, but if you do decide to go an options route with a startup, please talk to somebody, a lawyer, a, someone who's been through it before, um, because there are lots of ways that you can get yourself not into trouble, but um, there are potential ways that you could basically want to leave and take your shares with you, but it is now prohibitively expensive from a tax standpoint. Um, and so you have to just leave your options on the table and walk away from them. So like you did all that and got nothing out of it. Um, and so there are a bunch of situations where that can happen. Um, and if you know upfront, like the, the company is not allowed to give you advice on what to do with your stock. Like the sec doesn't like them to do that. Um, and so, you know, you will need to either talk to somebody, ideally a lawyer, but like at least somebody who has gone through it before 
to, to figure out exactly what this means. Because again, they are, it's options. You, you have the option to get something. You're not given anything. You are given the opportunity to purchase stock. But um, you can get yourself into a real tax burden down the road. Even if your stock is inexpensive, you might have a gigantic tax liability um, because of that, the way and the way the government taxes gains and stuff like that. So I want to talk a little bit more about the acquisition side too. Yeah. So, so few people um, locally have really got to go through that at the scale that you did. Um, so from, from at least from what I understand, GitHub acquired pretty much like several products, right? Was there one yeah. that they were specifically honed in on? No, no. I, they I mean, they the products they wanted. The they town. wanted, yeah, they wanted us. Yeah. Um, and like they, they, it's not that they didn't like the things that we were making. They liked it, but it was, you know, they weren't interested in like growing. You know, two of the products were sold off pretty quickly um, to other companies, um, and one of them we kept on board, which was Speaker Deck. That's like slide sharing app because for a while GitHub was very much in the like um, uh, conference and speaking and sort of information disseminating business. Um, although eventually that they got out of that as well, especially, you know, when they were acquired by Microsoft since Microsoft owns SlideShare. So they didn't want a competing product. So for larger um, companies like that, it's, it's kind of a cheat code to go to Aqua Hire, right? The yes. Route, yeah. 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 Cause they get, I mean, they get the properties obviously, which are now under their roof. Yep. Um, they get the talent that they were really after. Yep. And it's almost like a semi signing bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a nice easy way. Cause one, you also know that these people have worked well together and they know mm-hmm. what they're doing. Um, was it a deal where all of you went or none of you went? Was that, ever we never really discussed what would be, all of us were pretty interested in going. Um, there was some, you know, waffling back and forth about like, you know, and still we talk about like what would have happened if we'd kept doing our own thing. Like clearly the, no, no, no. GitHub was very remote friendly at at that time, especially. Um, and so, yeah, we just got to stay where we were. Um, you're saying you you had back and forth about if you would have stuck together, do you think things would have been different? Um, I mean, obviously different, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I think, you know, I'd like to think that things would have been just fine. I don't know better or worse. Um, but you know, I don't think we could have made a bad decision. Yeah. Um, there, it was just different at the time. And, you know, I, I'm happy that we got to see a company like GitHub grow from the inside. Um, cause it was like, you know, super entrepreneurial in the fact that like no one knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like all of us knew how to make software and that's it. Like, you ended up being fairly early employees. at GitHub. Yeah. We were 46 through 50, I think. Okay. Um, and I think at the time I left, there was, 600 and some yeah um and you know john stayed on board for a a year or two longer and there was 800 or more i think around the time that he left um it got it got very large and very i don't want to say corporate a little bit but it just like early on you could you could work for a couple months on a giant feature that touched millions of users um and affected a bunch of stuff and down the road you were just like, you could work on one little small part of something that like maybe got shipped later on. It just, you were a, yeah. a much smaller part of a bigger thing down the road, which is like, it's, you know, it's fine. But, you know, here, when you're here used history, to, though, that's not really your thing. Yeah, no, yeah. it was, you know, big ideas became less and less of a thing yeah. down the road. 
So when the Microsoft acquisition happens, like from your standpoint, what does, do you remember how you found out? Uh, yeah, it was like a root, like we have a, a, like a slack room with a bunch of like, uh, ex githubbers, we call it zubbers. Um, but it was a, you know, someone started, they like, I heard a rumor that, you know, they're, this is going to happen. And, you know, and I think for this price, they're going to buy them. And it was like, we've heard rumors for you. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like, well, if that works out, that'd be really cool. (laughs) Um, and it was, you know, but we'd heard those rumors before. And so it was like, nah, no way. And then like, it started getting more and more real. And then like when the announcement actually came out, that it was going to happen. I was um, doing some consulting work down at Atlanta with a, a friend of mine. So I'm like sitting in like a conference room at Delta headquarters, like trying to pay attention, realizing that like, life's you know, about to like, yeah, life's going to get different uh, here in a minute. Um, and so it was, that was a little bit wild, but, um, but I mean, fundamentally it's like, you, you're, you know, your life changes a little bit on how you think about things, but really, I just still get up and go to work, and I, I pretty much do what I did before. And you, and you, and John, and John was in a similar situation, and you and John are the same way, where it's like, obviously that was really cool, but like, what's what's next? <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's it like it gives you the freedom to really decide what to do. Like, mm-hmm. there's no impending like, well, I got to figure something out. Yep. Um, you know, there's there's some runway that you can be a little bit more um, picky on what you want to do, um, and you know, gives you some freedom to make certain decisions about, you know, how you and your family want to do things and you know, travel or other things like that. You so. get to take big swings now. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, Which is fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, been able to really you know pour into a couple different products that I'm working on now and and. Uh, you know, it makes it really fun. So we're going to, you mentioned travel. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk about your current projects. Real quick sidebar. How realistic is the show Silicon Valley on HBO? Uh, it's obviously exa- exaggerated for emphasis, but it, there was some real PTSD watching that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's did it's you, pretty uh, real. Did you relate with any character? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, uh, they're all just such good characterizations of, like, everyone that you see. I don't know if I personally related with... Stuff, but it was just like every stereotype. Oh man, yeah. yeah, like it was, yeah, it was really real, uh, like <laughs> a little too real sometimes. That makes um, me feel because I love the show, I've oh, yeah. watched it a few times. Makes yeah. me feel better knowing that it's rooted in some honesty, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yeah. and like I said, it's obviously a you know exaggerated for comedy, but like, but yeah, for the, for the base Even of the it, Russ Hanemans, there's a Russ Hanneman. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yep, all of them. There's all of them. Yep, I love it. Let's talk, um. We're going to get to a little bit more, like, personal side of Steve okay. Smith. I feel like people that know you and know of you know, like, the professional side, the successful side. Um, it's like the everyday side we're going to get to now. You mentioned travel. Yeah. I know you were recently a big RV guy now. Yeah. As um, of September 2020. Yeah. What? Was it COVID that made you yeah. make that switch? Yep. Yeah. yeah so, um, end of the summer 2020, um, you know, lockdown is still happening at the time, and um, we had some friends who um, they had a lake house in uh, just outside of Kansas City, um, and you know, we figured, well, if we could just spend some time outside, like we'll all do 
some COVID tests and we'll, you know, as long as we're good, we'll head out there and like just hang out with them and mostly outside. We feel all right with that. And it was like just before the kids would start school. Um, so we went out and did that and, you know, we, we drove out in the car and on the way back, but it's a little bit of a long drive. So we got a hotel halfway through and on the way back, <laughs> we actually decided to stay an extra day because uh, we were going to be back just in time for our kids to start online classes at home. But we were like, why? Um, so we just, like, they did their first day of school from, like, the hotel that we stayed at on the way back. And, you know, my wife Carrie and I were talking afterwards. It's just like, you know, we could do more stuff like that. That was really fun to, like, go places and, you know, uh, and travel that way. But we need, like, if we did it by car, you know, the kids have timed classes. So, like, you can't just you know, check out at most hotels at noon and they'd have class till two or three. So it's like, realistically, I probably would have to like book two nights at every hotel we would go to. It's like, well, that starts getting expensive. And then, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, what if we like, you know, Carrie's like, well, what if we rented like a small class CRV? And I was like, well, what if we just bought a class A? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why, e- solving problems? yeah, why ease into anything? Let's just, so, um, you know, looked at a bunch of stuff and figured, you know what, if we're gonna if we're gonna do it, let's try it. And you know, we we ended up buying, um, you know, a, a Class A motorhome in uh, September of 2020. Did you have any knowledge of what you were looking for? No, 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 we had no idea. You just research. Yep, just yeah, just just research and talk to a couple folks. And um, you know, the new makers have been, um, you know, campers for longer before that. Um, we had owned a boat and things like that, but never an RV. And so uh, it was like, whatever, we'll just, we'll figure it out. It's, it's about, you know, there's nothing crazy about it. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we made sure the thing had Wi-Fi, and we all piled in and I put about 10,000 miles on the thing in six or seven months. And we went anywhere from Georgia, um, Fort Myers, Florida, uh, all the way down the East Coast, uh, Outer Banks and Carolinas. And what's your favorite place so far? Oh man, the Outer Banks was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish we could have stayed there longer. Um, but just a really neat, like, I mean, our campsite was like a hundred feet from the ocean. That's awesome. Um, which is really cool. Um, you know, you're having like a campfire at night and you're hearing waves crash along the shore. It's just a really neat neat space um but yeah i mean you know, we got to you know kids were in school learning about the civil war and we were at gettysburg at this at the time yeah. you know just cool stuff like that that we that got to awesome. experience and um you know i worked on the road and we just made it made it work and so you know the family really you know we knew we would like it but you know i don't think we knew we would like it as much as we did yeah. like we would get done with like a five week trip and be like pulling in the driveway at home, and we'd Planning be like, the next one. "Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be home yet." Did anything surprise you about the RV life? Um, was there anything more difficult than you thought it'd be? I mean, just dealing with you know, it's it's basically a, you know, if you if you took your house and like shook it uh, yeah. for like five hours and then expected everything to work mm-hmm. <laughs> just fine, it's basically what an RV is. It's like a, you know, it's a house on undergoing an earthquake every time you move it. Um, so, you know, stuff breaks and you got to 
constantly tinker with stuff. But um, no, I think just the just the freedom of like waking up in a different place and deciding like, yeah, let's go see this other, you know, let's go down this way. Uh, or, you know, let's take a February, uh, February winters around here are just the worst. And so you're like, hey, let's go down to Georgia and Florida for five weeks and nice. not worry about it. Um, so, you know, and that was more just like that, you know, that's not a vacation. That's just like living our lives somewhere else. You know, I'm still working. The kids are in school. Um, but it was just, you know, go get somewhere, park for a week and, you know. One of those weeks, we uh, were in Fort Wilderness at Disney, and you know, so we'd do some stuff in the morning and then afternoon, like go over to the parks and come back, and uh, you know, just really cool experiences that you know, super glad to be able to have. Especially our kids are, you know, at the time, it, you know, it was seventh grade and uh, freshman in high school at the time. Um, they and probably loved it being out. In the yeah, it was school. cool for them. Um, you know it got to be a thing where it's like every class period, you know, they'd be like, where are you, where are you now? Like, you know, Hey, it's, it's kind of a nifty uh, experience for them. Um, But yeah, we're about to, in a week, we're headed out to out West for six weeks. First time taking it out West. First time. Yeah. We, uh, you going to go up the mountains. Oh yeah. Yeah. Might as well. I would be scared to death. Yeah. It's, are you doing like the winding roads? up? I, some of them will be that way, but you know, it's really the uphills are fine. The downhills are what you got to worry about. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, especially yeah. when you're that heavy. But, you know, you got engine brakes. It's fine. Um, it's just one of those take it slow and, you know, don't be in a rush. The Rockies? Yep. 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 Going through. That's one of the Rocky Mountain National Parks. First one. We're hitting 12 national parks this time. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a crazy summer trip. But. You get to do that beautiful, what, Kansas-Nebraska drive, one of the two? Yeah, definitely. Just set it on cruise control and <laughs> almost take a nap, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's mostly west and then south down to Utah and Arizona. That'll be gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. super excited about it. Um, let's get to another hobby. Sure. Bourbon, whiskey. Oh, yeah. Which one Which one do you prefer? Uh, Well, uh, the first, as far as whiskey goes, the first love was scotch. Um Mostly because uh, I was fascinated by the concept of, like, scotch um, is basically, it's like if you gave a chef, like, if you gave chefs all over the country, Mm -hmm. like, four ingredients uh, and said, like, make, it's like, uh, let's let's take chefs and, yeah, but, um, you know, let's take, like, a real food example, like Cacio de Pepe, which is, like, an Italian thing. So, like, let's go to Italy and give 60 chefs in Italy the same four ingredients. Mm-hmm. Just the name of them. You can get them from your location, get them from where you are, and make the same dish. And then you'd try all of them and see how different they are um, because of the types of it, where they're getting the ingredients from, the, their technique, um, you know, how those ingredients are processed. That's what scotch is. It's, it's literally barley, water, yeast, heat fire and there's a wide range of how and that's it and they all pretty much make it the same way um and you know the lowland scotches the highland scotches space sides they all have super different characteristics and they all come from basically the same recipe and i just think it's really neat you have a preference i love the like super smoky like islay Mm -hmm. whiskeys the ardbegs the lagavulins the um but 
you know, I appreciate all of them. Um, you get into like the science behind the drinks or the alcohol. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the distillation process is, is really interesting, especially, you know, I got in beer was the first thing that I really got into. I did some home brewing a little bit and it's like, well, to make whiskey, you really make beer first and then you distill that. Um, so that process was interesting, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, as I've learned more about, you know, and then you get into the American whiskeys, which is, that's just the wild west. Um, there's just so many different kinds right now. It's like with scotch, there's, you know, only so many distilleries and they're like not really popping up new ones that often. Um, and so you can kind of get a handle on stuff. Um, American whiskey is just like, you can't even keep track of it anymore. It's, they're just like thousands of different kinds and whatever. So just, you know, find stuff you like and enjoy it. If you could only have five bottles on your, oh, on your bar shelf. Yeah. And we're talking just, we're talking whiskey, right? Nope. Five bottles. Oh of man. Jeez. You um, were, it was going to be tough for you to answer that question on just whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So my first scotch love was Talisker 10. Okay. So that's gotta be, that's gotta be one there. Um, Talisker 10 scotch, I would do a, oh, a simple bourbon, probably just like a um, four roses single barrel, um, which is super approachable. Great for either sipping on its own, just but pick works one well. Of those on a, up at your recommendation. Good, good. Have you had any of it yet? Nope. Okay, good. Um, you'll have to get there. Um, and then, man, I, as more of a whiskey lover, I'd probably do um, a rye of some kind, maybe like Sazerac rye. Um, uh, something that, again, if, I, if I'm limited on bottles, you want something that is a good sipper on its own or on a rock, um, but also works well in cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to do a bottle of gin, um, something like Botanist or something like that, that's yeah. just a good floral gin, um, and probably a decent tequila would be the last bottle of something, um, like a... Orzo or I don't know. Uh, tequila is like, I know I like it and I'm not super knowledgeable about it. I usually just, if I can find a bottle that's in the $40, $50 range that I, I've i never heard of before. Take that, a shot on it? Yeah. That's not Patron or, um, yeah. Uh, Jeff slipped in his top. Of course, yes. Yeah, <laughs> we just got flashed by Jeff Myers. Um, you know, they, yeah, I mean, give him a shot and I, you know, Probably a Reposado. Again, something that is a good enough sipper, but, you know, works okay in a margarita. One cocktail the rest of your life? Sazerac. Okay. Now, I want to ask the question on wine. I asked you a a little bit about this offline. It's, I think a lot of people, like, want to like wine, but just can't get into it. Yeah. What's a good way to start that path? Because red wine has health benefits. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean... A lot of people, uh, either they start with the super sweet wines, right? They either like Riesling or Moscato and stuff like that. And that, which the health benefits are going to be. Oh yeah. Not much. A ton of sugar, ton of residual sugars. And you know, there's really nothing that gives me headaches more than super sugary stuff. Um, so, you know, if you want to start getting into reds, like just start with like light, like a Pinot or Pinot Noir or something like that, that, um, eases you into it. Um, you don't have to 
spend a bunch of money on wine to actually get decent stuff. Like go to go to, to a wine go to a liquor store or wine shop that you trust and you know ask them what the best $17 bottle is and I'm sure they'll give you some advice. Um, you know, there's it doesn't have to be a certain age, doesn't it? Like you can learn all about vintages and, uh, you know, grape varietals and all sorts of stuff, but you don't have to, um, you know, you can just enjoy it. I think I've heard you say age won't make a bad wine good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, that works with, um, like whiskey and any aged spirit is like age can make, um, a wine better. Age can't make a bad wine good. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, age is a, you know, can help, but it, it isn't a defining factor uh, in a lot of things. Um, you know, super old bourbons or scotches, again, can get better. But if you don't like that style of whiskey to begin with, you're not going to like it if it's 30 years old. So, um, and also there's a bunch of like, some people get really super snobby about wine. And I feel like a lot of people are getting better about that. Um, it's not that much anymore, at least in my experience. Um you know, there's supposedly all these rules about like, well, if you're having if you're having steak, you should have a cabernet, and if you're having fish, you should have a, you know, a, a chardonnay. Lots to keep up with. Yeah, and it's like don't it. Sure, there might be recommendations on what would, you know, if you're open to things, what would go better with a certain thing. But the best wine to drink with food is the one that you like. Yeah, so I like just that enjoy answer. yourself. So you could, if you were thrown in um, to be a bartender on a busy night, you'd be able to hold your own just fine. Uh, sure. Yeah. I'd be way slower than any professional, but, uh, yeah, I could probably, I could probably make you a couple things. Yeah. Are you into watches as much as John is? I'm no, not as much as John is. Are I like watches them at all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think they're fascinating. I very much appreciate the worksmanship and the, the stories behind a bunch of things. What you I'm got not. on today? This is uh this is a Bulova, um, just a skeleton, uh, automatic um, I like the, um, I like the gears and I like seeing all of it work inside again, that whole, I like to how see how works. things work yeah. type stuff. Do you have a favorite watch, uh, that I own yeah. or, um, or both. I mean, the Maybe one I just bought a, um, a Nomos, uh, glass Huta, um, on John's recommendation, uh, a couple weeks ago that I, I really enjoy. It's a German watch. Um, and it's a very minimalist, very simple, um, and really cool story and workmanship behind it. But, um, but yeah, I just enjoy the concept of them. I'm not like, I don't research or like put a bunch of effort into it yet. I, to, I might get there the someday. Yeah, no, I, I, I would love to, I'd love to learn to, to work on them. I love tinkering with stuff. So, you know, I, I think being able to open them up and, you know, clean them out would be awesome. Right up your alley. Yeah, it'd be super fun. Um, working with such fine things would probably be a little more frustrating than mm -hmm. I would like, but you know, Hey, I'll figure it out. Any other, uh, hobbies that take up a good amount of time, like top level hobbies? Oh man. Um, yeah, just, you know, I do a lot of home projects, uh, golf. Um, I like to golf. I don't golf nearly as much as I, you good golfer. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was better than I am now. Uh, I was probably like a four handicap a number of years ago, but uh, just don't play enough to uh -huh. uh, be that good anymore. Um, I would like to get there again. It's it's just a great way to be outside 
and walk in nature. Um, could you, I mean, you travel a lot. You have the RV. Do you hit courses around the country? You, I could, yeah. Um, I don't know. When you're with family and stuff, sometimes it's difficult yeah, to, like, to I'm plan a, all that together. Yeah, you guys have fun. I'm going to go leave. Um, I, by the way, I'm going to take your the car, too, so you, have no, you can't go anywhere. Um, so have fun at the campground. Um, but, yeah, I would, you know, golf trips in the RV would be fantastic. Um, but... It's also just great exercise, like, especially if you walk. I love walking courses. Um, you know, I think I ran the numbers, and it's like if I walk 18 holes, uh, that burns, like, almost 1,300 calories. Wow. Which is the same as running, like, a lot, 15 miles or more. Yeah. Which is, like, that sounds terrible. And most people prefer to walk. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, yeah, let's just do that. Um, you know, I think it's great exercise and just, you know, Getting your fresh air is fun. Before we get to the last question that we ask everybody, I, I want to talk a little bit about Box Out. Sure. It's one of your current projects. Yeah. Um, how long ago did you come on the Box Out team? Oh, man. Um, it's, well, I was probably only a month or two later than Jeff and Robbie. Um, what what drew you to the project? Uh, man, it just, a, it was a fun problem to solve. Um and, you know, Jeff and Robbie came to me with like, hey, we have this idea for an app and, you know, that could make graphics or whatever. Um, and they're like, oh, we don't know any, at all how to make the thing. So I was like, I'll make you like a proof of concept. I won't charge you what I would normally charge. Um, and we'll just go from there. And I had the thing like half done. And Robbie's like, hey, I just sold it to Wichita State. And then, like, <laughs> like down there, like, it's amazing. It was like, Wichita State's like, do you have a demo that I can see? Robbie's like, nope. You just have to trust me. And, like, they're like, okay. <laughs> like, wow. All right. And then, like, a week later, like, three more schools had been like, yeah, sure, we need it. And I was, was like. all Robbie needed to go sell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> it was you to be like, Which yeah, is proof of concept. terrifying. <laughs> um, but I was like, all right. So if you're actually, if this is going to work um, and you're going to actually sell this, you can either continue to pay me to make it or I can, you just cut me in. I'll give you your money back. Yep. Um, and that's what they ended up doing. Um, and it's going on its eighth year now, I think. Um, so, you know, growing steadily year over year from, you know, the first year made like $3,000 or something like that. And it makes uh, more than that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and is your goal, is this, I think I know the answer, but is it, is it like a lifetime job for you or is it an eventual exit and then the next no, thing? No, it's, you know, I, I think the, the product has super interesting potential. Uh, I, I love the sort of problem set that it solves and the workflows around it. Um, but I, you know, have too many ideas uh, of stuff. I, I love to, you know, we've explored selling it. We've explored, you know, what it would be like to just replace ourselves uh, mm-hmm. and keep it as a business, but not run it day to day. That's, I think the direction we're headed right now for at least for the time being. Um, So, uh, you know, I can, you know, next project up, I guess, but it is a really fun problem. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, there's, you know, I'm working with John on a couple things. I've got an idea in my head for like my own little project. I'd love to tinker with down the road. Um, you know, no shortage of ideas, but ideas are cheap. Execution's right. where it's at. So, and I asked I asked John this question, but what always 
and I think it's probably because I'm projecting back on myself and how, what my mindset would be when, say, like the Microsoft news came, was there ever a moment of like, like I can retire now? Or was it always like, okay, what's next? Um, there's a, there is more of the attitude of like, well, when, well, one, when could retirement happen? Like, mm -hmm. I, like, I already have, I can't just like quit everything now, even if I had enough money and I don't feel like I do right now for the kind of things I want to do in my life. Um, but I also like, I'm business partners with, you know, John and, or yeah, uh, Jeff like, and Robbie at the time. So I can't just be like, yep, screw you guys. I'm out. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, there's already, you know, work to be done. Um, and yeah, the next project up is already like, I mean, you know, I want to tinker on some stuff, but it, you know, there's, there's more thoughts of like, well, when, when would that be able to happen? Uh, you know, you can, the lights at the end of the tunnel a little bit more, but I think more specifically, you start to get more real about it, which is like, well, what does retirement look like? Mm -hmm. Like retirement isn't just like twiddle my, th my thumbs in a wood shop um, or just sitting on my couch watching Netflix. Like what is retirement? Um, what is, you know, the next thing? What is, you know, the last phase of work for me? Um, you know, does it look like, you know, is it just me doing stuff? Like I, I'm not holding business partners up if I want to, if I decide to go on a three month long RV trip, right. it's not a like, well, sorry, I had I, things I was going to help you with, but sorry, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is it, you know, relying more on you know myself and my work? So if I decide to stop things, it's only hurting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, there's plenty of options out there. Um, but it is, um, it's nice to be in a position to be able to think in those terms rather than like, having to just think about like, how do I work my ass off so that I can get there? Right. Like, um, I mean, I have to keep doing that, but uh, you know, it makes the conversation a little more real. So to wrap up the question that we ask everybody and you are better equipped to answer this question than a lot of people we have on the show, giving, given our listener base advice for, say early twenties to mid twenties to late twenties. And like they, they just want to do something mm -hmm. that yeah, makes a difference, but let's, let's be real. makes money. Yeah. And yeah, whether, yeah. whether that's an exit or a very well-paying position that they would have something that they get to build a couple yep. pieces of advice for them. Um, one, like, like obviously work on your business plans and stuff like that, but um, you know, make something that, you got to focus on something that people will pay for. Um, I think a lot of people have this idea of like this grand idea of like, wouldn't it be nice if this thing existed? And you're like, yeah, but like, will people pay for it? I've said for a long time and I, I my experience is mostly in software. Um, but you know, I, it's kind of been a, a joke around the industry for a while that it's like, if you want to, if you want to make money in software, um, just find an industry that you know, like, you know, did you have a job working at like a golf course, like in high school or, you know, your first job or something like that? Find, um, find how they use spreadsheets and just make that as an app. And you can probably grow it into a million dollar business. Um, it's not sexy at all, but like if you're solving real problems that people have, there's money in that super easy. And if you just want to like, like find something that you think is interesting enough, but really focus on the market for it. Um, we early on 
were focused so much on building it uh, and we didn't focus on selling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is super important. Um, and so if you're not good at that thing, partner up with someone who is. Um, find someone who knows the market and knows how to talk to people so they'll buy it. Um, Would you say it's common or rare for someone to hold both skill sets? Oh, yeah, it's very, it's rare. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to be much more of a generalist, um, and I can do some sales stuff. I mean, I did all the sales for, for agency stuff, but I'm not by any means a salesman. Um, and so, you know, I think there's, if you're beginning to be an entrepreneur, you're thinking about it, you really need to take a hard internal look at what your skill sets actually are. Mm-hmm. What am I good at? Uh, and what can I do day to day? And how do I take the things that I'm not that great at? And I might have to do them early, but how can I take those off of my plate as soon as possible? Um, so I can focus on the good part, the, the, the thing that I'm good at right. and offload the things that I'm not good at onto somebody else. Um, because your life will be happier. You'll be a much better worker. Uh, you'll produce better stuff if you're actually focused and like intrigued in your problem set every day rather than being like, I got to open QuickBooks this morning. Right. Um, So, you know, really focus on the things that you know and, and try and find other people to help on the other stuff. Love it. Where can people find you at Twitter? I do. Uh, I'm pretty much ordered list everywhere. Um, O-R-D-E-R-E-D-L-A-S-T. Um, I don't tweet much. I don't really post much on social media. I'm but much more of a consumer. A banger, huh? uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I was much more involved in that stuff early on. Uh, that's how I sort of built up my consultancy base. But uh, I've been lazy about it lately. But but I should get back into it. And I, I respond to people a lot more than I actually tweet. So Awesome. Steve, thank you for your time. This was thank fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. I was uh, glad to be here. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.